bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, you know, they say kindness starts at home and you have to be kind to yourself. And that really exhibits our guest today. Kendra Hawley is the face behind Peace, Love, and Low Carb. What started out as a hobby blog back in 2011 now generates nearly 3 million page views per month and is one of the most established low-carb keto resources out there. Kendra is an international best-selling author of several cookbooks, including Cravable Keto and Keto Happy Hour, which is one of my favorites because a lot of times cocktails do not get do 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 not get covered in the keto world. So, thank you, Kendra, for coming on, and I'm really excited to have you here. And congratulations on the success of your new cookbook that we're going to talk about today: Dairy Free Keto Cooking. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about the book and all things keto. Yes. I I say keto a lot of times. I know it's keto, so you know, please forgive me out there if if I say keto. My mother's from the south, and I have drawls that come through that I don't even know are happening. But somebody pointed that out to me at dinner the other night. Why do you say keto? I'm like, I don't know. I know it's keto, but uh, sometimes it just comes out that way. So I think it's my mother. <laughs> so, how did you decide to take? keto in the dairy-free direction this time around? So I've always written my books with my own, you know, health and wellness journey in mind and kind of where I'm gearing my own personal diet. And initially I was actually slated to write a different title, but I had some health challenges came up, come up that made me personally reactive to dairy and a couple other food items. And so I had, I had to eliminate dairy in my own personal life. And my work kind of took that same route. And so I just asked my publishers, hey, I have this great idea. Like, this is what I'm experiencing. And I'm realizing that, you know, a lot of other people need this resource as well. You know, and I was just like, it's so in my wheelhouse to make delicious recipes with or without dairy. Like, would you mind if I wrote a dairy-free book? And they were just, they were 100% in. They were like, yes, let's do this new contract. And before I knew it, I was full steam ahead on this dairy-free project. But yeah, it all started with some health challenges of my own. Well, what is dairy-free, and how how would you know if if you maybe just have an intolerance? Because if if you do have a uh, allergy to dairy, that's going to come through loud and clear, and and you're really going to know about it. But a lot of people are are uh, have an intolerance to it, and is is that kind of what what you were feeling? Some uh, effects of of your body trying just to process dairy. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have a true allergy to it. And a lot of people use those words interchangeably. And I'm glad you said that distinction because they're not, you know, like for someone to say, I'm allergic to shellfish, like that's life threatening anaphylactic response. Whereas, you know, maybe some of the signs for being intolerant to dairy might be like a runny nose or a rash. So they're very different. And I'm glad you made that distinction. So for me personally, it was tied all to gut health issues. In the same year, in 2016, and it took a long time to kind of manifest into food intolerances, but at the end of 2016 and into 2017, 
Um, I had whooping cough for seven months. And I was, before they knew what was whooping cough, they had put me on several courses of antibiotics thinking that it was bronchitis. And then I was only well from that for about three months. And I traveled abroad and I got Giardia in Ecuador. And so then they put me on more antibiotics and they put me like uh, back to back, or actually they ran concurrently um, Flagyl and Cipro, which like, if you look at the list of things they say that they're prescribed for, some of them are anthrax, the plague, like it's, these are really nasty antibiotics. And so I was on six courses of antibiotics in one 12 month period. And that's more than really I should have in my whole life. And it just ravaged my gut and started this whole health cascade, which led to me being intolerant to dairy and eggs and gluten, which I already was, but it it was made worse. But dairy and eggs, I started being very, very reactive to while I was trying to get my gut state, my gut health repaired. Did did that, it had to throw off your, your body in so many ways. You probably weren't sleeping right. You certainly weren't, weren't feeling good. It probably had a, an effect emotionally on you as well, I would imagine. Yeah, it was on so many different levels. So having whooping cough for seven months, the emotional toll, it just being sick for that long, it gave me a whole mm-hmm. new level of empathy for people who have chronic illness um, because it's so emotional and physical. But with that, like it threw my hormones out of whack. I gained weight. Like my skin just didn't look as good. Like there was a lot of things that happened leading up to these food intolerances. Um, it just wreaked havoc on every system in my body. And it's still like I'm still bouncing back from it now. That is amazing. That, that That is really something. That is a long time to, to be ill, seven months with, with the whooping cough. I, but on the mm-hmm. other hand, I also think that makes you so endearing to your readers and, and the people who follow you because you are such a real person. You um, have experienced, like you said, you, you, you've been through the weight challenges and you've been through some health challenges. And, and, and that's what so many of us are constantly in, in battle with. Um, I I, I don't think I, I had a mother, as I said earlier, who uh, who's from the South. So cooking was always her way um, of, I guess, expressing her love and feeding us. And there was never any I mean, they, they were all nutritional meals, but but there wasn't any balance or real thought about nutrition that went into them. So we all really grew up with really bad eating habits, a lot of fat, um, a lot of sugar. And I, I think that, that a lot of families, especially from the generation that, that I came from, were like that. And people are just starting now. This, this younger generation is so much further ahead than where I was with uh, growing up in, in my own family. Um, my my mom was just trying to figure out new meals to make and there wasn't any thought about it being healthy or weight conscious or anything like that. But now I think people are starting to think more about that. So for, for, for those of us who grew up like, like I did, it's not our mom's fault. It's not our fault, but we have to retrain ourselves to, to, adapt to this new way of eating and living that's that's much more healthy with the society that that we live in now we're not all working on farms anymore and need all of this fat and carbs and everything to 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 get us through the through the day so these resources are absolutely phenomenal and i don't think that people really should be beating themselves up over it and you have been so good about expressing that to your listeners and your readers and those who follow you on on social media that that you're just really one of us yeah you know i've made it my mission to 
not ever be a highlight reel type of person and just to show the good, the bad, the ugly, and that, you know, life has its ups and downs and life is cyclical and no one's life is perfect because I just feel this real disconnect in a, in a modern age when we're supposed to be more connected than ever. Connectivity and connection are not the same. We have the connectivity. We don't have the connection because I feel like as a society, we've never been more disconnected from each other. And so I always try to take my little slice of the internet and make it a safe harbor for people or make it relatable. Or even if like one message that I put out there or one personal struggle that I share makes someone feel less alone in their own story and in their own struggles, then it's, then it's all worth it to share. And I really feel like I've kind of built this tribe. I always call them kindness warriors. Like I've made it my mission to be a kindness warrior. And I feel like I've built this tribe of people around me that are seeking that and that want you know, they want to go beyond the food in terms of health and wellness and connection and, you know, bettering ourselves and being better to each other. And so I feel like it sparks this kind of whole mission just by putting myself out there in a very, very authentic and genuine manner and operating with integrity in all things that I do. I think that with the day and age that we're living in now, bad um, vibes, so to speak, are very easy to find. And everybody's out there. Everyone's mad at each other. Um, there's this underlying hostility online. Now, I don't see that hostility when, when I go out and I'm just with people. Um, everybody gets along. Everyone's smiling. Most people are happy. But when you're online, there's this toxic um, I meanness that's just coming through all the time. So unfortunately, when you're online, you have to seek out the people like you who are trying to put some kindness back into the world. It should be the other way around. You know, it, it should be kindness should be easy to find. Um, but now we're having to seek that out. And I think that's so well established in your blog, Peace, Love, and Low Carb. I mean, you're setting the tone right there. Right there, people know that, hey, you know, I'm 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 trying to be kind, and that's the vibe I'm giving out, and th those are the type of people that that I'm trying to attract. And yeah, they're out exactly. There. And I always call <laughs> I always call uh, like the whole online trolling society. I always call those people keyboard cowboys because they'll mm -hmm. say anything behind a keyboard, and you know it's, it's usually the person who doesn't even have a picture as a profile. It's right, like right. a Disney character or a flower or you know, like <laughs> hiding behind several layers of digital security and then <clears throat> bashing people on the Internet. But I always try to remind myself and other people that it just comes from a place of insecurity um, and that it's they're projecting. It's not a reflection of you personally. But my so like my mission is to just uh, as undo as much of that as I can, just being a single person, you know, <laughs> putting that mission out there, but building a tribe of people. To, that want to spread the same message and mission. Well, absolutely. And if people want to join your tribe, what is the best way for them to find you on social media so that they can escape all of the evil trolls out there and then just get right, right to you and, and find your <laughs> kind of tribe? <laughs> Um, well, it's actually pretty easy to find me. So uh, across, I've been doing this since 2011. So across all channels, I'm Peace, Love, and Low Carb. So if you put Peace, Love, and Low Carb, you'll find my Facebook, my Instagram, Pinterest, your PeaceLoveAndLowCarb.com is my website. Um, you can also search for Kendra Holly, but a lot of people spell my name incorrectly. So it's usually <laughs> easier to search for Peace, Love, and Low Carb. But if you search that, usually all routes will lead to me, whether it's to the recipes or to social media. Um, but that's my handle across all channels is Peace, Love, and Low Carb. 
Well, she is easy to find peace, love, and low carb. I mean, doesn't get any better yeah. than that. Well, let's talk about the book because it is absolutely okay. phenomenal. You have true creativity in these recipes. These are some wonderful, wonderful recipes that are things that I might eat anyway. And then you have twisted it and made it just bumped it up a notch and made it easy for us. And one of them that really stuck out to me, there were a couple, but uh, one of them was the jalapeno popper chicken salad. Yum. That's going to be a staple in our house because that just looked fabulous. And then the taco scotch eggs. We eat a lot of scotch eggs at our house because my husband is of Scottish descent and he's a big scotch egg person. I'm like, oh my gosh, we can actually make it a different way. Never even occurred to us to do that. Yeah, so one of my mission is with all of my recipes, dairy or not, but especially in this book, I wanted I had a couple real clear directives in my mind with this book. And one of them was to make like delicious mouthwatering recipes that would show people that you can have a, like a wonderful meal, feel completely sated without a bunch of dairy. Like if the flavor profiles are there that you can have really delicious food and you're not and not feel deprived on dairy. And I also wanted to make recipes that were simple, approachable, that only have ingredients that you would find at your local grocery store, no specialty ingredients that you have to order online, so that it's approachable for everyone, so that like no matter what level of skill you have in the kitchen, that you're not going to open it and say, oh, that's too time-consuming, or that looks too hard, or you know, just I wanted it to be for everyone. And that's really, I just wrote it with that in mind. And then my second mission with this book, and one of the areas that I personally didn't like about a lot of dairy-free recipes or paleo recipes or even Whole30 is that coconut seems to be the go-to substitution for everything dairy. And personally, I'm not really a fan of coconut. Like, I kind of like unsweetened coconut milk with my coffee or, you know, things that don't have coconut flavor. But so I made it my mission with this book to get creative with the substitutions without coconut. So there's 107, 170 recipes in here and maybe only 10 that have coconut in the form of coconut milk or coconut flour. You know, that's really great. Uh, a great point there because my husband doesn't like coconut either and he does most of the cooking in our house. And so um, I love coconut. He hates coconut, um, but he does the cooking. So, you know, whoever gets does the cooking makes the rules. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is really great for him because um, he, there are those substitutes that, that don't have to have coconut and then, you know, happy husband, happy life. Um, how, how do people get their, their whole family on board? So say um, somebody wants to start uh, incorporating health and wellness and it, into their lifestyle and they decide to take up keto or they've been doing it for a while and, and they, they kind of have it down. And when you're excited, you want to share it. You want everybody to do it. What's the best way to get your family involved or um, your spouse involved how how does that work is it it's is it by preparing the food yourself maybe and not telling anyone that it's keto and then just having them love it or are there some secrets to that success so this is a, like this could go either way but what i tell people some people get too wrapped up in the this is keto and this is how many carbs it has and this is low carb and this is gluten free and they just forget to be like no matter what nutritional template it fits in no matter what macros it has is it delicious so a lot of times if someone like say the wife is doing keto and she wants to get her husband and children on board and she's like I've talked to my husband about keto and he's just not on board 
why say anything? Make delicious food and no one's going to contest delicious food. Like you don't have to say this is dairy free, this is keto, this is gluten free. The question should be, is it delicious? Just make the food and see if your family eats it, you know, because I feel like a lot of times people set themselves up for failure by making this huge declaration. This is how we're going to eat now, which kind of sets limitations in people's minds. So when it comes Mm -hmm. to trying to get people that live in your house on board, I say, just make the food and be like, hey, we're going to try something new for dinner tonight. And then, you know, without all of the preconceived notions of like, you're trying to shove me into a diet. You know, I hate the word diet, right. but you know what I mean? Right, um, right, right. Feed them yummy food. That's like the simplest way is just feed them yummy food. That's exactly right. I think because th- then you're not setting up this 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 preconceived notion that it's not going to taste good. It's not going to um, fill them up. It's not going to... Um, be something that they're that they're used to that if if you say that it's keto or it's low carb or it's this or it's that you're already kind of giving it a negative um connotation before they even start so why even tell them is exactly right i i I believe that you're right on with that because they're going to be hungry and they're going to eat it and you know it's like wine almost um that they have blind taste all the time and how how many times does the the twenty dollar bottle beat the hundred dollar bottle many many times it's because people didn't know and so they had don't have a preconceived notion in their head when they sit down um all of these recipes that that are in dairy-free keto they're going to love you even have a recipe for gummy bears i mean how wonderful is that so you cover the (laughs) snacks and you cover the meals and you you have cocktails and everything that, that we are using in our everyday life i mean the gummy bears you could give those to your kids they they would never even know yep i you know i really wanted there to be something in here for everyone so it's like if you if you look at the breakdown of the book obviously all 170 of them are gluten-free but I think there's something like 73 nightshade free recipes there is like 111 egg free recipes so like I wanted to hit all these nutritional categories but I wanted there to be things like you're saying like gummy worms for the kids or a healthier cocktail for that Friday night when you want to have a drink and you don't want to load up on sugar or you know the occasional sweet treat so there's desserts in there like I just wanted it to cover all of the bases and kind of be a one-stop shop that you could go to for recipes in all categories but also to teach you more about what keto is how it works how to get started why you might want to um, and honestly I even included why it might not be right for you like it's not a one-size-fits-all approach so I really wanted to give people a clear and concise picture if this was an eating template that might even work for them Um, you know, not to fit yourself into molds. If you don't feel good with it, that doesn't mean you failed. And just really kind of provide as much information as possible, along with a lot of recipes in all categories for everyone. And, and if you're doing a drastic change of eating, that there, there is something known as what the, the, the keto flu, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, and it's when they've really gone from one way of eating, drastically changing to to the, the keto lifestyle, your body has to catch up. So, you know, you've been feeding it a lot of crap for a long time and then all this good stuff starts pouring in your body's like, Hey, what, what the heck is going on? So have, have you also heard about this keto flu? Yeah. And so, you know, it can bring on feelings for some people of it and it's really independent and it, like you said, it depends how you ate before. So like, if you take the standard American diet, it's an upwards of 300 grams of carbs a day. Then you have people that are like in one day, I'm not going to taper down one day. I'm going to go strict keto today. I'm going to be like, 
like and they have this magic number in their head that they think is for everyone. I'm going to go 20 grams of carbs or less, and then they feel terrible. So, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe it's constipation or even on the other side of that, diarrhea or headaches or muscle cramps, nausea, stomach pains, you know, really intense cravings. Some people even vomit. But what causes it more often than not is an imbalance of electrolytes. So you like by getting your electrolytes back in check, the most common ones being like sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, and getting those back into balance, you're going to feel better immediately. But, you know, it gets kind of crazy too, where, because keto flu has been so built up. So like some of the Facebook groups I manage, someone will say, um, I have a horrible rash all over my leg and my foot feels like it's on fire. Is this keto flu? No, go to the doctor. Like don't blame everything on no, you should go see a physician. But like, because people go so extreme with it, or when people have a true cold and they're like blaming it on keto. So, I always tell people the best way to avoid it if you're just starting out is, you know, especially if you're trying to lose weight, you didn't gain all that weight overnight. Starting cold turkey essentially on a new eating template is, you know, you, you want to set yourself up for success. So I tell people like, if you're going from like a super high carb, high sugar, gluteny standard American diet. Taper down, maybe even cut 10 grams of carbs a day, and maybe it takes you a couple weeks to get there, but you are going to feel so much better easing into it, and then it will be easier because you won't feel as restricted. So you'll have tapered down over time, and, like, that'll keep people from getting the keto flu. It'll also set you up for success as you, like, transition into keto. It doesn't have to happen overnight, and I feel like that's kind of the message that gets thrown out there. It's just like, you do it this way. This is the only way, right way to do it. Clean out your pantries, clean out your fridge, like start tomorrow, you know, and it's just, it's a lot all at once mentally and physically. And, and, and that's another way to even ease your partner or your family into it. Because if you do start throwing away all of their favorite things and, <laughs> and take everybody cold Turkey, there is going to be a rebellion. <laughs> Right. You know, on the other side of what I was saying, when I said, don't tell people, and I said, just make the yummy food. The other side of that is your reasons for doing it. So if you personally want to do it, and you're not trying to get anybody on board with you, in that regard, I say, tell everyone that you're going to do it, because you're going to need as much support as possible. So if you're not trying to talk anybody into doing it with you, but you want to set these goals for yourself, and these are the changes you're going to make, I say, go ahead, make a public declaration declaration to everyone who will listen, because that's your support system, and those are the people that will help you when you have those challenging days. And also finding groups like yours where where you can find that online support, so maybe you're ready and and your family isn't. You can find groups like yours who can give people the support and then answer questions and there's so much positivity back and forth of sharing experiences this worked for me this didn't work for me what happens when when, when I plateau do, do, do you hear that a lot are are most people um expecting some some weight loss with it do you think they are and I see this really unfortunate trend where people don't have expect like realistic expectations so say like in my group my support group I'll see somebody that posts a message that say that says, I only lost five pounds this week. What am I doing wrong? And I'm like, literally nothing. Five pounds in one <laughs> week is amazing. And I'm like, and if you compounded that over time, you would lose 100 pounds in five months. Do you know how right. short of a time that is? And right. so there is this, there's just these unrealistic expectations. And a lot of that goes back to social media and marketing, you know, like taking a lot of companies that say they take someone's, Um, transformation photo and now they're selling pills with it or you know they say I lost all of this weight in four hours you know (laughs) and so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really think there's this 
horrible onset of really, really unrealistic expectations of like plateauing or, you know, pushing too hard beyond what your body actually wants and what your body needs to fit into a nutritional template or, you know, like kind of going back to saying like people, I have to have 20 carbs. No, because not everybody feels good at that, at that level, you know? And so it's really individualized, but I do see people like, I'd say a huge portion of the people that I see personally are coming to it for the weight loss. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a more like a health and wellness focus shift where I'm seeing even some of those people really putting a greater emphasis on the nutritional value of the foods that they're eating or kind of more biohacking type stuff or more holistic and alternative things. So like I'm seeing this kind of paradigm shift where people are, they're really seeking out this information and it's refreshing to see people taking their health and wellness into their own hands and not in a reckless manner, but in a manner where they're just like, I truly want to know more about how I can like feel optimal in my body. And I like seeing that a lot. I just get really, I get really tired of the people that have those really, really unrealistic expectations. Um, it's not a magic cure. In fact, there are a lot of health benefits outside of weight loss that come from eating a ketogenic diet, but mm-hmm. it's all about being realistic with everything. Well, and it has to really become a lifestyle. It's not a quick fix like like what you were saying. It really has to be that I want to be the healthiest that I can be. I want my family and my loved ones to be healthy. If If they're on board today, great. If not, maybe they will be when they see how well it's working for me. But from now on, I'm going to make this commitment to eat as healthy as I can be, uh, eat and be the best I can be for myself. Uh, and, and that really starts to transition <laughs> as you get a little older, too. You start getting around that 40, 50 age, 35 um, you know, time just seems to just be zipping by and you don't have, um, you're, you're wanting to stay around a lot longer. You don't think about it, I don't think, as much when you're younger. But as you kind of hit that 35, 40, you really do start thinking about long term and, and, and what how life is going to be for you when you hit 50 or 60. Um, because up until that point, it's not really realistic that you're going to hit that age it's like so far away I'm never going to get there but once you get to a certain age it's like oh my gosh it's like right around the corner and so you want to start adopting that lifestyle and it becomes a lifestyle it's something that um, you want to do and and it and becomes fun and that's what's so great about your book is that it's so fun to be in it. And one thing that you don't see in a lot of um, weight loss books or, or health maintenance books or even keto is bread. And a lot of the um, recipes you have in here include some type of, of bread in there. And that is really um, fantastic to see because so many people say, I love bread. I, I hate to give up bread. Yeah, and that's what I really wanted to do is I wanted to give people back those things that they really miss and a lot of the reasons that people end up going off the deep end and binging that they miss from, you know, before they went on a ketogenic diet. So, like, I have low-carb and gluten-free, like, completely clean ingredients, uh, like, buns in here and rolls, and I even made croutons. And because if I can give people back sandwiches and burgers and things like that with in a still a very healthy template, that's amazing. And there's, there's pasta recipes in here with different substitutions and things like that. But it's you're, I wanted to go back to what you were just saying about longevity. I'll be 41 this year, and my, my shift or, like, my mindset has really shifted 
less to aesthetics or overall weight, but to that longevity piece because you things change and your focus changes, but your hormones change. And it's just about, I always tell people that I don't work out because I hate my body. I work out because I love my body and that I view nutrition and fitness as my pension and 401k for mm. older me. I'm investing mm-hmm. now in my future body so that all the things that my husband and I love to do, traveling and hiking, I want to do those things when I'm 60, 70, even 80. So health and wellness or health and fitness, nutrition and fitness for me, like I say, 401k and pension for later me with that in mind. But you're right. Like, and that's another thing going back to those expectations when I'll see somebody who is 40 or 50, who's comparing their results to someone who is 20 or 25 in terms of like from a biological standpoint and what happens in the body as you age and with your hormones, like it's apples and oranges and Mm -hmm. those comparisons as well. Um, with the realistic expectations. Absolutely. And I wish I knew about healthy eating when when I was 20 or in my 20s. These 20-year-olds are so far ahead of of where I I was at that time. And I I was in California, and I was born and raised in California. And um, uh, one of my first jobs, um, I was the youngest person there, and I would stop by. It was called Noggles. It's Del Taco now, but um, every morning I would stop by, I would get myself um, a, a, a whole milk and a brownie, and that was my breakfast, and I would go in, and people in there, they'd go, with you. oh no, I can eat whatever I want and never gain a pound, and um, they're like, yeah, well, one day it will, and um, one day it did. <laughs> Those mm-hmm. voices click in my head all the time, because I think it happened to me about 35 all of a sudden, just looking at the brownie made me gain weight, you know? I mean, now I can just smell food and, and gain weight. So I have to be way more hyperactive about what I'm putting in my body than I was at 20. I mean, I literally was eating a brownie for breakfast every single morning for years and never gained any weight. And then one day I woke up and it was like, that. <laughs> that train has left the building. <laughs> now we're on the slow metabolism train to elder, uh, elderliness or something. <laughs> I don't know. It just, uh, it, it, it just went crazy overnight. And it's different for men and, and women. Um, I, I noticed my husband's metabolism hasn't slowed down quite as, as much as, as mine did, especially after having children. Um, it, it seemed to almost not exist. But then when I started eating healthy, it seemed like my, my metabolism woke up all of a sudden. And then uh, I, I could eat more of the healthy stuff and maintain weight. And I didn't even want or I wasn't even craving the, the, the sugary. Like now a brownie for breakfast, like I would tell my kids, are, are you nuts? Are you insane? Who does that? You know, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't even crave it anymore. Yeah, and I think that like if I could go back and tell my younger self one thing, I it would be some of these lessons that we're talking about now. However, you know, especially growing up when you're dealing with the food that your parents are feeding you, like for me, I grew up in a very meat and potatoes household. We really didn't have a lot of money, so it was whatever cut of meat was on sale that week, potatoes, and then like ketchup and salt and pepper were our condiments. Like I don't ever remember fresh vegetables in my house growing up ever. Like I maybe we had frozen Brussels sprouts or russet potatoes and so going out into the world on my own in my late teens and 20s like I just continued with what I knew I was eating top ramen and canned ravioli and like it just led to all the weight problems I had but I didn't know any better but like some of these lessons that I learned 
later I wish that I could go back and tell like the second I hit foot out the door on my own, like this is what you're going to wish that you knew when you were older, you know, like that whole, like the whole kind of, or even the bragging about I can eat whatever I want and not gain weight. Cause you hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I hate mm-hmm. also when you hear people who say I lost all this weight and I never worked out once. Okay. Well that's <laughs> great. But is that something you really want to brag about that you right. didn't move your body? Like, even if you think about, I could go on a whole tangent about this topic, about when people brag about losing weight without working out. Like, it's great that you didn't need to, but working out is not necessary. Like, people work out every day, and weight loss is not the ultimate goal. Like, longevity should be the goal with working out. Or even think about, like, the fundamental movements outside of working out. Like, if you drop your pencil and you bend over to pick it up, you're doing a squat. If you go to lower yourself onto the toilet, you're doing a squat. Don't you want to be able to do those things forever? Like, you have to use, you have to use your body. And so, like, I always find it so funny when people brag about, oh, I did all this without working out. <laughs> it just, it's very yeah. bizarre to me. Those people are not my friends anymore. I used to be <laughs> that person. <laughs> but I would go back and tell that younger person to uh, be quiet. Just uh, just be, be quiet and listen. Uh, but, but but there's that innocence that, that comes with youth. And at least that they, they have these resources now that, that we didn't have when, when we were younger. And I will say, I, I really believe that, that books like this make really great graduation presents. I think they make good birthday presents for people going out and getting their own apartment or, or moving into their first home. It, it really, a lot of times it's just bare in there and they just cling to books um, of, of how to cook and how to have people over and now especially this generation on how to eat healthy and so it always you buy one for yourself buy one for your friend because I mean it always always makes such a wonderful gift but I have to talk about how you talked in your book because we all go to Starbucks right and you have mm-hmm. a whole plan for ordering keto at Starbucks if you don't get the book for any other reason and there's 170 reasons or more why to get this book. The Starbucks section is amazing. You have thought of everything for us and you, and you really set this book up for us to be um, successful. And this was just so amazing with the Starbucks because you know how it is in Seattle. There's literally a Starbucks on every corner. So you, you can't miss it. And then um, these will also translate over to whatever coffee shop people go to be, besides Starbucks, but it's actually called ordering keto at Starbucks. So I, I wanted you to talk about that a little bit because that was really wisdom in there. Yeah, it's one of the questions. So I'm the type of person where if I get asked a question enough, I'm just going to make a resource for it because I'm like, okay, this, if I get asked a question multiple times, there is a hole out there for that resource that needs to be filled, and so I'll fill it. And so I just kept getting that question over and over. What can I order at Starbucks? What can I order at Starbucks? And so it started as a blog post. That's where it initiated was on my website. And then I was like, this should go in the book. And then adding the extra layer of – because I make probably – I would say 25 different suggestions and tell you exactly how to order it through that guide, the keto at Starbucks guide. But that gets an extra layer of difficulty in people's minds when they're trying to order something that's keto friendly, but now you're trying to order something that's keto friendly that doesn't have dairy. So it's a guide for my dairy folks and my non-dairy folks to be able to go have that coffee and not feel like they're so deprived because a lot of people 
the reason they'll go back to like a standard American diet is because they just feel so deprived of all the things that they used to love. And my sole mission, I swear, is just to give people back all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we have to enjoy life. And, and that was the great thing about Dairy Free Keto is because there was so many enjoyable things in here. I mean, just one after another, we could spend hours talking about what is in this wonderful, wonderful cookbook from, from the keto breads to paella to the gummy bears that I talked about earlier to jalapeno popper chicken salad taco scotch eggs I mean it just goes on and on and on and on and um, it's just you have chorizo and chicken cauliflower rice paella which just looks amazing and you have you know the the, the, the normal beef pot roast um, it, there's just so many things from pasta to desserts to cocktails and I think a great companion to this is the keto happy hour um, cookbook so when you order you know how like amazon i'll tell you people who ordered dairy free keto also ordered uh you should include one of uh kendra's other uh, other books uh being you should always have the keto happy hour in there because everybody likes you know maybe a a lower cal drink for the weekend every now and then and i know not everybody drinks and you also have non-alcoholic beverages in in this one as well as alcoholic beverages so there's really something for everybody but you've tried to think of everything and I'm sure that's coming from all of the questions that that people have asked you over the years but uh, you've really tried to think of everything to set us up to to adopt this lifestyle love it and and be successful yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm really proud of Keto Happy Hour because that's another one that I just called my publisher one day and I was like, I have this kind of kooky idea. What do you think? And he was like, oh, my gosh, yes, let's go for it. But there's hundreds and hundreds, probably even in the thousands of keto cookbooks now. But to this day, it's literally the only keto cocktail book I've ever seen. There's not another resource in print out there like it. Like there's blog posts that have some keto-friendly cocktails. But to this day, Publishing-wise, I've never seen another keto cocktail book. So I haven't either. Really I ha- and then it like tells you how to set up a home bar and how to make all your own, like you know, like simple syrup and ginger syrup and sweet and sour. And so I had a lot of fun writing that one. <laughs> yeah, that I, I have never seen one. And even when we go to restaurants now, I'll notice that they'll have a keto section in in the menu for for food, but there's nothing when it comes to drinks. They have just totally not even addressed that subject whatsoever. So bars, bartenders, restaurants should be getting. A keto happy hour and adopting it because when you have your keto dinner menu or lunch menu or breakfast menu, I mean, you're going to have something with it to drink and, and, and why not make that keto as well? I mean, you just really hit on a, on a, on a, a topic that is not serviced enough with, with the keto happy hour. It is a must. It is a must. And keto dairy free cooking is, is amazing as well. It has, so many wonderful recipes in here and I'm going to make the gummy bears. I'm going to make those tomorrow and I'm going to try those out and I'm going to give them to the kids and see how they like those. And we're going to have actually the um, jalapeno popper chicken salad tonight for dinner. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh yeah. I hope you guys enjoy it. Well, um, people can go to peace, love and low carb and find you the book dairy free keto cooking is available now. And uh, if if there's any um, book signings or any appearances, those will all be on your website as well. Yeah, and a lot of those I'm posting each stop on Instagram. 
So I'll be out on the road in 12 different states between now and the end of summer. So you can find all that information on my site. You can find it on Eventbrite if you just type in Peace, Love, and Low Carb or if you type in Kendra Holly. But there's some great stops along the way. Um, and I'm excited to get out on the road and talk about the book and meet people and hand out lots of hugs and high fives. Well, Kendra, it's really great for you to come on today and just just continued success. And I just was extremely happy to to have you. So just congratulations on on everything. And thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. We will be back in just a moment. <laughs> 